More rubbish. Happy New Year. Yes, it's 2019 already. Friday the 11th of January 2019 to be exact. Or at least it will be by the time you hear this, unless you're a patron. More rubbish. Every Christmas, some journalist writes about the mountains of cardboard and acres of paper that we throw away after Christmas. And they ask how many times the sticky tape we use would reach to the moon and back. No doubt it's a lot. But the issue is how much rubbish we throw away throughout the year. And that's a lot more. Back in 2016, Steve Howard, head of the sustainability unit at IKEA, the furniture store, suggested that we were reaching peak stuff. In other words, we were beginning to stop spending our money on things and starting to spend it on experiences instead. Concerts instead of cocktail cabinets, bungee jumping instead of bookcases, cruising instead of curtains, and adventure weekends instead of armchairs. At first that didn't seem very likely, but this Christmas period has seen a significant fall-off in high street sales. What's even more significant is that at least one online retailer, ASOS, issued a profit warning as it also saw its sales declining. The good news hidden in all this must be that there will be less things to wrap and less things to throw away as they reach the end of their useful life. There'll be less use of resources as well. But don't throw it away, recycle it. I encourage all businesses and governments to go further and embark on a race to the top in the creation of a circular economy for plastic, said Dame Ellen MacArthur, leading proponent of the circular economy. And then, just before Christmas, UK Environment Minister Michael Gove launched his resources and waste strategy for England. This strategy, said the blurb, sets out how we will preserve material resources by minimising waste, promoting resource efficiency and moving towards a circular economy in England. And then, before I'd even heard about it, Talk Radio was on the phone asking if I'd discuss it with presenter Mike Graham. I'm up to my elbows in cooking, I said, which was quite true. It was our anniversary and I was preparing the meal, one of these day-long projects. An hour later, they called again. We've had to put the item back, so we were just wondering if you could be available. What's the topic? The government's new resources and waste strategy. How long have I got before we start? 30 minutes? Uh, OK. It's amazing how much you can find out in 30 minutes. This is how it went. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So we've got this disposable strategy by the government. Unfortunately, uh, I'd like to be able to tell you that the government has become disposable, but so far they are still there. Incredibly, Theresa May still has a job and Jose Mourinho doesn't. Uh, when you can figure that one out, uh, you can let me know. 0344 499 1000. We're going to talk now, though, to Anthony Day, a presenter of the Sustainable Futures Report podcast, uh, a man that knows plenty about recycling and whether it's working in this country. But I want to take your calls on it as well, please. And many of you have already been tweeting me, telling me uh, that you've already got food waste recycling and it works pretty well however i just have worries about exactly how uh, it's going to work in certain places uh, where the recycling is already not particularly good anthony a very good morning to you welcome 
Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks very much for uh, for talking to us. I mean, this is quite a big project. We're being told that this government's sort of sustainability plan is the first big one for about 11 years. Is that right? Yes, I think so. Uh, Not before time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Mm. But, of course, it's not going to happen until um, 2023 because now they're setting out the plans. It's going to take them five years to put them into action. Well, there's a sort of consultation period for some of it. Why does everything take so long in this country? Well, I mean, you've got to realise, if you're going to give um, hundreds of thousands or even millions of people boxes to collect their uh, food waste, somebody's got to manufacture the boxes, somebody's got to distribute them, there's got to be vehicles to pick them up in, there's got to be somewhere to take them to, and and there's got to be a processing plant. So all that's got to be planned, designed and built before we can actually do it. Yes, no, indeed. And I think everybody understands that recycling is an important part of our sort of daily and weekly lives, but it seems so kind of haphazard all over the country, you know, depending on which part of the the country you're in. um, Things are collected differently, things are recycled differently. You know, for example, in in London where I live, I've got a, a massive big recycling sort of bin which everything goes in right that's in outside because it's a sort of block of flats shared by a bunch of people Mm -hmm. and where i live in sussex uh you recycle certain things in a pink bag which has to go out every second thursday to be picked up if it hasn't blown away um and if it's a bottle it has to go in a different place and if it's a can it has to go you know what i mean it's like there's no kind of consistency it seems to me you're absolutely right. We should have had a national uh, policy from from the off. But uh, the, the, the bins are all different colours, all mean different things. Uh, no wonder people get it wrong and, and, and it's... Uh it's stalling. In fact, recycling is, is flatlining at the moment at about 44%. Right. Uh, and the government wants to improve that, and good on them. No, indeed. The trouble for me, though, is is how much money are we spending on it? Is it working in the sense that, yes, of course we have to do it, but do we have to do as much of it as we do, uh, and do we have to do it in the way that we do? Because I seem to remember as well, reading a story maybe last year, that China, which used to take all of our cardboard and repackage it all and sort of recycle the cardboard, which they then pay for, um, they're not taking it anymore. No, they used to say plastic as well, and yeah. that's a big problem because we don't have the facilities in the UK to recycle it or deal with it, and, mm. and that, that's suddenly um, come up on the government's radar, and I think it's partly a reaction to that that's led them to just bring this policy out. Right. Now, for example, again, to, so I'm, I'm just going to talk about my own experience because it's the only one I really know about, obviously. Um, <laughs> I've got um, suddenly a, a waste food bin has suddenly appeared in my square, Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one in every square in which, um, you know, I live, in the little neighbourhood where I live. And it's just one sort of brown wheelie bin, basically. Um, nobody's been given any instructions on what to do with it. I haven't opened it for fear of what's inside it. Um, I walk past it every day wondering how long before somebody walks off with it or I find that it's, somebody's knocked it over or a fox has knocked it I mean, we have foxes like you wouldn't believe. Mm. And I just worry that, uh, you know, this is not going to be a very good plan. Well, uh, certainly if it's an ordinary wheelie bin, uh, once, they're out, once they're knocked over the... The, the lid falls open, yeah. and yes, foxes will come from all quarters. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, where you have one per property, uh, they seem to have a locking lid, as far as I know, so that's a bit uh, more secure. Yeah. And they this, are... is, this is very much a communal situation. Yeah, yeah, well, something's got to be done about that. That's got to be thought through very carefully, because otherwise you're going to make the, the situation worse, aren't mm. you? Well, I think so. I mean, I've got a note here. I've got this tweet from Phil uh, who says, we've got a food bin in Ashford. Uh, It does smell and sweat in the summer. It constantly needs washing out. The worst is when you have a barbecue, Christmas, etc. with lots of people. The bin gets full very quickly. Uh, You have to store, I've had to store it in the shed and then take it to the dump myself. 
Well, I believe that the report, uh, the government strategy, says that these things should be collected weekly. And, of course, in the summer, that's absolutely essential, mm. uh, and probably for the rest of the year as well. Right. So if that works, then that will reduce the problem to some extent. Yeah. I mean, what is the thinking behind it? Because, I mean, I remember growing up um, in North London, we had a garden. There was a compost heap at the bottom of the garden, um, and it was a sort of, a, again, it was a block of flats type situation. And everybody kind of went and put stuff on the compost heap. It seemed to work quite well. I never really knew what happened to the compost. But, you know, it's not really practical if you live in a very urban situation without a garden to be collecting compost, is it? No, it's not. Uh, And the other thing, of course, is that food waste isn't necessarily all compostable. Uh, If it's vegetable, that's fine. Mm. Um, But if it's got meat and and things like that in it, uh, then it doesn't compost very well and it's very attractive to things like rats and foxes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I'm sort of sitting at home, I generally speaking um, was taught at a very early age to to not leave anything on my plate, so I don't really have an awful lot of food waste except for Mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm cooking, you know. Um, So chopping off the ends of carrots and stuff like that, potato peelings and all those kind of things. Um, you know, but, but some, there'll be some people who do leave quite a lot of food behind, scraping stuff into a bin and then putting all that in the, in the waste, won't they? Well, if it goes into the waste, uh, the, the problem is it goes to landfill and it creates methane, which is greenhouse gas and, uh, uh, and all that sort of thing, which is, and that's why the government's trying to get around that, by getting people to separate it off into a separate uh, container for, for food waste. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, what if you're eating... I mean, I don't want to get too specific here, but I mean, what if you're eating, say, I don't know, a processed piece of food, like a sausage roll or a pork pie, and you put that in there, is that, you know, you're going to put that in the food waste, you're going to put that along with the pasta that you didn't eat, or along with the soup that you didn't finish, or, you know, the mince pies, I mean, it just just conjures up this horrible image for me. Well, yes, yes, I suppose the answer is, well, why did you buy so much if you can't eat it all, but... uh... Well, see, now, now, you, now you start to bully me. You know, this well, is the point. I mean, people, I mean, if that's the point, and this is where I'm very glad you said that, Anthony, because if the point of this is to make people buy less food, then why don't they just say that? Uh, no, the, the point is to uh, create less waste. And if, yeah, uh, but by, by buying less food, presumably, you create less waste, don't you? Yes, yes. But let's look at it the other way. Um, if we look at it from the point of view of plastics and things like that, yeah. Uh, we can look at recycling plastic or we can bully the manufacturers, if you want to call it bullying, mm. and say, look, uh, we're going to charge you if you produce plastics which cannot be recycled, yeah. if you use too much plastic, if you produce uh, goods, machines, appliances, whatever, that have got a short life and have to go into recycling after a very short time. Uh, if we can choke off the production of plastic or of unnecessary plastic, mm then that will solve the recycling or ease the recycling issue to some extent. It will. I was reading a while back as well about a new enzyme that had been developed in some laboratory somewhere which actually eats plastic, um, which would be tremendous for, for what the problem we have in the seas, you know, the, 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 the plastic sort of country the size yeah. of France that floats around in the Pacific. And yeah. I'd like to see more money, and I think most people would like to see more money spent on stuff like that. We appreciate that, you know, there's no point in putting more plastic in the seas, but an awful lot of it does not come from here, does it? An awful lot of it uh, comes from other countries around the world who are not quite as good at recycling as we are. Well, you're quite right. But sadly, since China stopped accepting our waste, I'm afraid some councils have been forced to sending their waste overseas to those countries which have a lower standard. So some yeah. of it might be ours. So where is it, where is it going then? And what, what happens to it when it gets there? Because people want to know this stuff. Well, it, it, it depends. Uh, I think uh, you get... Um, probably child labour, picking it apart, 
sorting it out. Mm. Um, some of it can go for recycling, but I don't know very concerned about what happens to see, what can that's, that's, that's my worry, Anthony. I think a lot of people's worry is that, you know, it's, it's all very well we, us being very virtuous and, and separating all our plastic up from our bottles and uh, all of our cans separated up from our paper and our cardboard and our food. But then you send it all off to some country where, um, you know, it means nothing to them uh, to just chuck it into a river. And mm. that's where it ends up. Yeah. Well, so what's the uh, if point? you read the report the government's just repo- uh, pr- published, it says we're going to lead the world. So let's hope they'll put... Yeah, well, yeah, we're also going to leave the European Union at some point if they can ever stop <laughs> arguing about it. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't believe a word they say. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, you're right, you're right. I'm but, sorry but... to be so cynical, Anthony. It's just that, you know, we do spend an awful lot of our time, and, and quite rightly, thinking about climate change and thinking about the environment and trying to make the world a better place to live. But unfortunately, not everybody's as virtuous as we are. No, no, I know, but um, we have to bang on. I mean, that's why I do my weekly podcast. I bang on about the fact that we have got these problems mm. and something must be done. I hope there's somebody out there listening and eventually somebody in power will actually do something. Oh, listen, well, the, the, the difference in, in, in what we do and our behaviours between now and, say, 20 years ago is immense, and, the, and it's down to people like you, I'm sure, uh, yeah. who have fought the good fight and all of that. However, I think, like everything in life, there is a tipping point. And I think once you start asking people to, to, to separate up their food waste as well as everything else, some people are just going to go, I'm not, just not going to bother. Honestly, I'm just not going to bother. Well, apparently 100% of people in Wales have got these uh, food containers. Uh, now, I don't know that that means that 100% of people uh, actually fill them and don't ever put it into landfill. But um, uh, if it doesn't work, then um, why are they still doing it? Well, because people have a certain amount of uh, reticence, I suppose, to change. If somebody puts a bin... I mean, for example, I mean, it's like me. I have not seen anyone putting anything into the bin that's in my square. And that doesn't, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean nobody's using it, but it means that maybe a lot of people like me are literally wondering what it's there for, having not been told what to put in it, having never seen any kind of literature about it, and wondering whether it's just going to be taken away one day and never, never seen again. Well, that's obviously not been handled very well at all by the powers that be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's scope for improvement there. Now, the other, the, the other aspect of, of, of this plan, uh, I know there are many aspects of it, is, mm-hmm. is the possibility of the return um, of a bottle, a returnable deposit on bottles and cans and disposable cups. Is that something that, that you can see working? Uh, I think it will. Have you heard about the reverse vending machine? The reverse vending machine. I have heard about that, yeah. Yeah. Well, some supermarkets, not very many at the moment, have got these machines, and you put your bottle, and it can be a plastic bottle or a glass bottle, or it can be an aluminium can. You put it in, and it's sorted out in the back of the machine, already for recycling, and you get uh, get a voucher out. It's not for very much, or you can uh, donate it to charity. But uh, I think that will encourage people... Um, you see it at, you see things like that very widely um, at supermarkets on the continent. I mean, uh, I, used so to, I, I mean in, in New York, when I used to live there, we used yeah. to have the, the, the tramps used to walk up and down the streets pushing trolleys full of cans that they yeah. would pick up and then take back to a shop and get money and buy food with it. Yeah, well... But, I mean, it's not exactly what you would call modern thinking, is it? No, no, we... Uh, you know, subsidising the homeless, hey? Everything used to have a deposit on it once, didn't it? Well, it did, yeah. I'm old enough to remember when I was a kid that you had a deposit on bottles and things like that. But I think as a result, I didn't buy very often. Oh, right. Because oh, well. it was too expensive. Well, I was a child, you know. Yeah, but you get your money back. Yeah, but you have to get the money together in the first place, is my oh, point. Well, so yeah. it makes it more expensive. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I mean, all I'm saying is when, when all of this comes down to it, it's basically a money-raising exercise, isn't it? People are getting um, rich on this. 
Well, I'm not sure that they will. I'm not sure that they will. Well, the people, the, the people, the guys, whoever invented wheelie bins is mate, is now probably living in, a, in an island somewhere in the uh, uh, in in the sort of uh, in, the, in the South Pacific on uh, their own, he, having bought I, it with the profits. I think he lives in Leeds, actually. I know him. Does he? <laughs> well, he's a very splendid man because he he started something which nobody knew we needed, and now everybody's got at least three. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's quite a good business. Same, I'm presuming, for the food uh, recycling guys. I mean, if they're going to have to... You were saying yourself, you have to find somebody to manufacture uh, mm-hmm. all of the recycling receptacles. Yeah. Somebody's going to get very wealthy making those. Yeah, OK, but it's a public service. People get get uh, wealthy supplying the NHS, don't they? But that doesn't mean we don't well, that's need another it racket. do it. There's another racket. But no, but what I mean is, it's sort of, it's, it's, people are profiteering out of this, but all we're getting out of it is that we're told we're eating too much, you're buying too much, your packaging is no good. You know, we're the bad guys. I don't think we're the bad guys. I think we're caught up in uh, in a system which is um, not as good as it should be. So the bad guys are not so much the consumer. The consumer buys what it's given. Yeah. We've got to go back to the uh, back up the supply chain to the manufacturers, and we've got to say to them, you know, give us our products, but don't give them in in, in plastic wrapping that we have to throw away. Don't give us in things which we can't recycle. No, true. But I mean, they're struggling already, aren't they? The high street companies in this country—they're going bust hand over fist, and you're going to. Put more financial pressure on them, probably. Well, no, I think the pressure goes up stage back behind that is the people who actually produce the merchandise, which ends up in, in the high street sector. Yeah. Well, some of them are the same thing, aren't they? I suppose. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, listen, here's the thing, Anthony. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you telling us uh, what you think is good. However, you've more or less admitted that all of the stuff that we buy and we then recycle ends up in a dump somewhere in the developing world. No, 44% of it at the moment gets recycled in this country. Uh-huh. Uh, they're aiming, the government is aiming that 70% should be recycled by 2030. Somebody, some people would say that's not nearly enough. Right. Um, no, it's not as black as you paint it, but there's room for improvement, certainly. Yeah, so what actually happens then physically to something that gets recycled in this country? Well, it give depends me, what t- it is. Well, well give me, take, you, pick, you pick an example and, and talk me through the process. Well, if you take glass, for example... Yeah. Um, Ideally, glass is sorted so you've got clear glass separate from brown and green. Yeah. Um, and then it's not, though, uh, is it? basically, it's it's crushed and broken into little fragments called mm. cullet, and then yeah. that goes in to the glass making process. It's mixed up with uh, um, the the materials that they use um, for making glass, and um, it comes back to you as a bottle or something. Right. Or I think the darker ones are used in things like uh, road surfacing and things like that. Yes, I've seen that actually. That now that is clever. I'm very, I'm yeah. all, I'm all for innovation. You see, I'm yeah. all for things that work, and I'm all for people with clever ideas. But I can tell you one last thing, Anthony. I don't want you to think that I've got a big downer on on you and your uh, podcast or your uh, your representations here. However, I remember seeing them empty a bottle bank in Scotland where I used to live, and it had those three holes, you know, brown, clear, and green. Yeah. And they picked it up, tipped the whole lot into the back of a skip and mixed it all up. Well, they're probably going to go and make road surfacing then. Well, maybe. But so why bother having the three separate holes? Yeah, yeah, you know you're I mean? absolutely right. You're you know? absolutely right. Anthony, listen, appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Anthony Day, a presenter of the Sustainable Futures Report podcast. I can tell he's getting a bit exasperated with me there, uh, but I was trying hard not to be rude. I don't want to be rude to people, but I'm sorry. If half of the stuff that you're recycling isn't being recycled, then it's a massive failure, isn't it? Micah Graham on Talk Radio. I had to dash off immediately after the interview and I couldn't record the debate which followed because I had to take my recorder with me to interview Professor Chris Thomas at the University of York. 
You'll hear that about evolution, extinction and the care of our planet on the Sustainable Futures Report next week. I leave you with the news that the government intends to raise the plastic bag tax from 5p to 10p, subject to a consultation which is currently in progress. All stores, not just the big ones, will have to make the charge. The 5p led to a fall of more than 80% in one-time plastic bag use and generated income for charities, as the law makes the charge a donation to charity, not a tax. Good news for the charities, good news for the planet, bad news for the plastic bag manufacturers. And all they were trying to do was provide something cheap to keep your shopping clean and dry. Did you read about Nadia Sparks of Norfolk? Her friends call her Trash Girl, as she makes a point of picking up every bit of litter on her walk to and from school. She says she doesn't care what they call her, she's going to keep doing it. In line with my strategy of solving problems at source, don't drop litter in Norfolk. In fact, don't drop any litter at all. And that's it for this first episode of the Sustainable Futures Report for 2019. I'm Anthony Day, and if you'd like to support this podcast as a patron, just hop across to patreon.com slash sfr, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-f-r, where you'll find all the details. As a patron, apart from other things, you'll usually get the Sustainable Futures Report in advance of general release, sometimes by as much as 12 hours. All who support the Sustainable Futures Report as patrons or in other ways are much appreciated. Thanks to you all. Don't forget the blog at all the W's, sustainablefutures.report, where you'll find the text of 200 plus episodes and links to the stories. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Until next time. Thank you.